0: Sam Volks at Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest
1: edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show, an hour packed of Wickham Wanderers things. Uh, myself
2: and Bob uh, bringing you
1: literally everything.
2: Indeed, yes. Uh, tonight we will reflect on the thrilling nil-nil draw against Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury Town. You're now meant to do the next bit. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like we, on those stage We've only been directions. doing this now for, for what, for three years or something? pause for applause. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, yes,
1: and also we'll be hearing from former striker Andy <laughs> Baird as well.
2: Uh, we will also hear again from Gareth with, uh head of uh, the weekend's uh, trip to Lincoln City. We'll also <laughs> preview the Bucks and Bucks Cup semi-final between Wickham Wanderers and Long Crendon. Uh And we will hear from Chris Farino as well uh, after that game against Roseby Town. Not even in that order either. No, uh, that's true. And we'll chat about uh, Wickham Wanderers women. Yes. Um, uh, what else have we got coming up? Uh, we'll talk about Wanderers TV. Uh, we'll pay tribute to John Walters as well, who sadly passed away. Uh, we'll discuss why we're the chairboys and not the chairmen. Um, <laughs> and lots of other things as well. Well, look ahead to Bob's trip to the US of A. Oh, yes, indeed. We're, well I <laughs> hope to meet up with with a couple of the Kuhicks. I hope to. That sounds like a documentary, doesn't it? It does, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be like the new Louis Theroux. <laughs> 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 going to various bookshops in America one of, one of which happens to be Missy Kuhigg's bookshop I'm very excited about that At home with the Kuhigg's I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not in Missy's bookshop There is anything about Wicked Wanderers at all You, you hope know? there's a little corner Has there, she got yeah. small town dreams? Has she got some scarves maybe somewhere? Or some dog leads even <laughs> <You know, laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to, to finding out
1: Excellently, Crowdy And if anyone's playing dog lead bingo Yes On the show you've got that That's one. it for First this week break. Yeah, Uh, So you were at the Shrewsbury game at Adams Park On Tuesday What did you see? Um,
2: Well for for once I saw us dominate possession Well I say dominate possession 62% possession uh, Which you know it's not really like us That's very precise Uh, uh, 26 shots on goal I, I wasn't marking down the possession myself you know I'm getting <laughs> these, these stats from somewhere else 26 shots on goal 10 of them on target uh, none of them actually going in the back of the net which was slightly frustrating um, and you did get the impression that yes it was one of those games um, Sam Vokes I think said that you know he felt that he was one of our best performances of the season without scoring um, Anish Mametti definitely when he came on uh, was very much like the, the kid at school who knows that they're really really good and they're desperate to score a goal uh, and was doing absolutely everything he possibly could in the dying moments to try and make that happen but alas it was just one of those nights where the ball wasn't going in the net it's frustrating isn't it because
1: part of you thinks oh you know they crazy so many chances that's a good thing kept a clean sheet that's a good thing but just a point
2: yeah a really really annoying one of those games again like gareth said a few weeks ago about that you'll have five games where yeah you'll easily win you'll have five games where you'll lose and then 36 games where you know it, it, it's very much something will, you know, might happen or won't happen. Had we got a goal in the first five, ten minutes I think we'd be sitting here talking about a three or four nil win. It, it looked like that sort of game and you were thinking, you know, yeah the goal's coming, the goal's going to come soon and then got to half time and of course then as the second half went on you were starting to think, oh it's going to be definitely one of those days and you know there were even a couple of nervy moments in the last five minutes or so where Trosbury then hit us on the break we were thinking, no! But luckily, yeah, that didn't happen either.
1: I think especially as well with the way the results went at the week. With with uh, no game for or for the, the chairboys, of course, which we'll find out later on the show. Uh, what Gareth did with his day off, but um, <laughs> you, you think, oh, some of them are running away with it now. Rotherham obviously putting a bit of a bit of yeah. a run together. It doesn't seem like that long ago that Wickham we're top of the table, and now sort of twelve points off the top, but only three points off second place.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Rotherham have you know have put together a fantastic run, and yes, are, are running out of sight really. Um, so I think we're we're all now fighting for seconds, really, aren't we? Um, you know, is it good that w- we can? Do seem to be having that slight trouble that Rotherham had last season mm. when actually you've got a lot of games in hand and then you play them and actually you're a bit tired. Um, and of course they, I mean, they finally went out of the FA Cup on Saturday as well. It's a shame that they didn't get through uh, to give them even more of a fixture <laughs> problem. <laughs> um, but yes, so Wigan currently, well, Rotherham top thirty points uh, with uh, sorry thirty games with sixty five points. Second a Wigan twenty seven games uh, fifty six points. Then it's MK. 31, uh, 56 points, Sunderland, uh, 54 points from 31 games, Oxford, 53 from 31, and Wickham then uh, currently occupying the bottom playoff position, uh, 53 points from 30 games, just ahead of Sheffield Wednesday, uh, 52 points also from 30 games. It's like the chart rundown, isn't it? Yes, it is, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy that. Gareth spoke to Phil after the game on Tuesday night, and uh, as he says, has everything uh, apart from a goal, unfortunately.
3: We were superb today, really were, and uh, everything but the goal. You know, some fantastic saves by the Shrewsbury keeper. I don't think he knew much about one of them. Hit his hip and went in, and the one that hit the post the first half. Pennington with an unbelievable clearance off the line. I don't know how he's got it over the bar from there. But do you know what? I was really, really proud of the boys. I always am but the lockout was brilliant tonight you know two shots none on target against us David Stockdale lost save was, you know a couple of days ago in training so that's that's brilliant for us um, Chris Farino comes in again I think becoming this this player that uh, I'm really excited to see yeah every, everything the goal, and uh, and that happens sometimes, and you've got to take that, and you've got to look through that as a manager, and you can't just be down and go, oh no, we didn't. I am so positive. I am like, right, we play like that again. We're bound to score. We're bound to get goals. We're bound to get wins. The results of yeah. semi gone for us tonight, which is great. Three points off second at this stage of the season. You tell me, any Wickham Wanderers fans, if you to have taken that, because I know I would. Can't wait to get stuck into Lincoln or Saturday, place I know really well. Um, I love going up there, but um, I want all three points. Um, and we keep playing like that. We'll be absolutely fine this season. I, I can't. Uh, I can't see how we won't be. But um, yeah, really good play defensively, especially. But Shrewsbury came um, to get a draw. They were slowing the game down, we, which we know all about at times, you know. But they were slowing it down first half, second half, as much as they could, you know. to a goalkeeper get booked that early in a second half for uh, for time wasting for a long time, but um, happens. Fair play. You got to. You got to credit Shrewsbury. They've gone away with a point at a team which historically. They probably thought they'd come to Adams Park and win games Now teams are brilliantly happy with the point And, and for me, that's massive progress for this club And uh, I can't wait, like I say, to get the boys back on Thursday Game them hit in the net a little bit I um, thought Sully's chance was going to go in And I think Bale swapped shirts on the 87th minute Which, was, uh, which could have been a penalty But I'm going to put him in a Velcro shirt, I think, so it can rip off No, uh, nah, fans were good, players were good just didn't get that result that we deserved tonight
4: and uh, a, a, an impressive rear guard action from Shrewsbury as well led by Aaron Pierre a player that you know well you've got to you've got to credit him you know
3: um, Landells Eubanks Landells Pennington and Pierre and, and uh, you know um, the the keeper I mean they've done really well today uh, and kept a team that does freely score you know we've, we score a lot of goals so I've got to credit Shrewsbury and, and the way they've come here today and set up shop that's what teams have to do you know they, 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 they want to stay in League One and, and Steve Cottrell's a good guy a good manager and he, he's disciplined um, in his team today was was good we almost got there just didn't quite hit the post like I say everything except that uh, that net rippling but I'm sure that'll be far uh, won't be far away
4: and you handed a debut to Lewis Wing how do you think he got in, in midfield tonight yeah I think Lewis did really well you know I think in the
3: first half especially you saw some touches of class that he's got he was unlucky not to score half volley as well could have ricocheted it anywhere um, but uh, we'll be seeing plenty more of him but being able to put Kai Kai I can find where Mometi on the pitch and have Wheeler Hogan, you know, and, and Anthony Stewart you know, as well off the pitch You know, not even get, getting those players on is uh, a game testament to where this club has come can't thank the, the owners enough, the Kwiks for giving me these resources, and, uh, and I am to pay them back with with a high finish. Um, fans were great as well. You know, it's cold Tuesday night, plenty of football on TV, um, but they turned up, got behind us. It may have
4: been a don't leave early moment, but uh, those who got off early. Might just got one over me today and talk about the depth of the squad again you just talked about the attacking players but you made two changes to the back three tonight and uh, and as you said a complete lockout
3: yeah we worked hard on that you know and and Ryan Taffer's all out and we have played a lot of games for me you know um, and, and they're just as good we've all been locking out really well in training and working on this strategy that I think um, keeps a bit stretched sometimes but um boys going to spot on tonight. I think there was one moment where I was just a little bit worried and I think they blasted it over the bar from 20 yards. But um no we had all the chances. Um, just couldn't put it in the net but that happens sometimes. It's football and you've got to credit Shrewsbury. I'm not going to take anything anything away from them. Um, I think we outshot them by about 26 to 2 I think the stats are which is incredible and 10 shots on target. You usually score a goal with that. but um,
1: tonight.
2: The manager's positivity is something that really comes across. It really, really does. I was really interested in his comment about uh, Bayo and, and Velcro, because I've always slightly wondered that. Not really that footballers should wear Velcro shirts, but you slightly wonder, in this, this day where it's sort of like pulling shirts, is, is so so common, you know, why hasn't anyone invented a sort of cycling type shirt that you wear that actually... I don't know, you know. I mean, so the, the cyclists wear cycling shirts, so they can't be too hot. Surely you could play football in one of those, and then actually it would be really, really difficult to to, to grab hold of someone's shirts—they're running past you.
1: That's why they changed the uh, rugby shirts, in they, because they used to be quite baggy. Oh, yes, and now of course, they're, they're yeah, because yeah, because well. yeah, you used to have those traditional
2: rugby right, yeah. type shirts. Yeah, yeah, you know, t- surely that it, it does that not? For next season, could we not have some new sort of cycling kit? <laughs> in in A cycling miss, kit Missing if you're listening. <laughs> We could ask Ben Foster to design one for us Yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, Ben Foster Alternative, in... alternative football reference, therefore.
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, Also, Chris Farino, of course was, uh, was was playing very well on the he night He was fantastic
2: he's, He really, really is a, a brilliant find um, learned, And also, we should mention Lewis Wing as well oh, um, yes. who, you know, who, who does look like he's going to be very, very good um, But yeah, Chris Farino Just, uh, you know, his, his story and, and you just think you wouldn't you would be forgiven for assuming that maybe we'd bought him from some championship side you know he, he is that good um and yeah, I think he's got a very very long future ahead of him.
1: So I think he's had six starts uh, for the club, which yeah. is uh, more than he imagined.
0: I set myself a target by January to be involved in the matchday squad once, including the bench, so I'm very happy with the way the season's gone. I couldn't, yeah, couldn't have expected this.
4: Uh, players like Joe
0: Jacobs and Jack Grimmer alongside you tonight. Must be great to learn from those older pros. Yeah, it's amazing. Through the game, we've got a good relationship me, JJ and Jack. We've played a few games now together. And at the training ground as well, we're ironing out little details which we've ran through the week that we've obviously had the 10-day break and stuff. Yeah, it's been amazing and obviously a wealth of experience
4: well documented that you were you were about to go to university but this is a, a different sort of learning you're doing here uh
0: yeah i did actually go so i was at university for seven months um i dropped out when i had my trial about a year ago and i said whether i get get in here or whatever i'm gonna chase the footballing dream again at 20 so it's a brave decision and i don't regret it one bit
4: fantastic yeah so professor jacobson then teaching the lessons
0: <laughs> there we go it's more enjoyable than what i had a year ago definitely
4: <laughs> <laughs> and uh what's the goal and you said you set a goal by january what, what's the goal now between now and the end of the season for you personally?
0: Uh, of course, well, just get promoted. I think that will be amazing as a team. I think that's first and foremost. And if I don't have to play again, I think I'll take that to get promoted. But for me personally, I want to see double digits now in terms of my starting, and I think that will be a great rounded off-season for me. And the clean sheet, but you came close a few times tonight as well to, to score it. I need to get my shooting head on, I think. Um, so, yeah, twice. I think one came off my belly and chest, so a bit of a scramble, and then the second one just couldn't quite glance it on target
4: and it's going to be a tough trip to Lincoln now for the, for the squad uh, is, was it important to, to not lose tonight I guess and, and get, get the two defeats out of the system
0: definitely I think we set out, again clean sheet was the most important thing if you keep a clean sheet you don't lose um, and obviously we put the two games behind us with a 10 day break the gaffer has been excellent at the training ground and the boys have and it's always a great environment here and we've stuck it out well and worked on things that we needed to tonight to put it all behind us yeah so the, the break was a
4: positive then because out of Wickham's control with the FA Cup fixture was it good to have that extra time
0: definitely uh, and the boys were chomping at a bit the last few days to get out back on the pitch because we want to play games and we want to put things right but I think we also needed that break to kind of it's a long season um, for the boys that have obviously played a lot more games and kind of take that moment to take a deep breath look at things I think we're in a good position here
4: Wickham well, are in a good position as well as results all the fans were checking the scores throughout the evening as well uh, high pressure situations uh, you must be really enjoying that part of it too
0: I mean definitely I think this is my first season in professional football in, in the men's team and I'm loving it I think me personally I don't check the table too much I'm focused on each game as it comes but yeah it's it's looking exciting with 16 games left to go
4: and what would your advice be to a, a young footballers out there who, who want to break into first team in professional football Who you may be 16, 17 years old would, would you recommend
0: this route um i think look loughborough is the best for sports in the uk Uh, i gave up on football there so me personally i've had a unique journey but i think yeah you're never too old i think this club shows that signing bayo out of contract at 34 um other people jj nearly 36 still doing it still doing the business so you're never too old to to go out there and do it
2: i think we might
1: have a correction for that i think we, we might be told
2: well, you never know. I still harbour hopes of, of playing alongside Bayo and Sam. We could be disruptive, couldn't we? Uh, yeah, in, yeah. In different you
1: know, ways. Uh, uh, Chris uh, Freno and, of course, Gareth Ainsworth. you can hear those interviews in full on uh, Wanderous TV as well, which I launched.
2: Think, you know, you, you said that on one of our trails once, yeah. that actually if Gareth needed somebody to sort of like put the opposition off, yeah. you know, like corners and whatever. I'd be a
1: distraction. You could, you
2: could tell a few jokes <laughs> and whatever. I think you'd be, you'd be great. What's that over there? They'd be, yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, you never know There might be a few spots going against Long Crendon in, the, in the, the, the Barks and Bucks Cup Yeah, I might need a corner flag or something I could I could, I could occupy that position Sponsor by Pedigree Chum No, I might have made that up uh, <laughs> um, But that's on Tuesday, isn't it? Yes um, uh, Slightly confusingly at Tame United. I didn't get the dog food reference at all, sorry Did you not? No, no Barks and Bucks
1: Barks and Bucks Oh, I see yes, Okay, yes, there you are oh,
2: dear. Or Burks and Bucks if, if, if that doesn't really work no, 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 no People call it Burks It's like, no No, no, no. The other people would call it Beaconsfield, I think. Oh, uh, yes. No, no. No. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Right, I was going to say what? What? I thought you got that the wrong way around as well. But no, you got it the right way around. <laughs> I think I was slightly confused because. Um, uh, Please show your workings. <laughs> Because I wanted to know how long it was going to take me to get to Beaconsfield today, and I asked Siri. um, And then Siri kept then giving me various instructions and saying Beaconsfield the whole time, Ah. almost to the point that I started getting used to it being called Beaconsfield and thinking that's how you pronounce it, but obviously (laughs) it's not really. Welcome to a new part of our show. (laughs) We don't talk about
1: football at all. Still to come, though, uh, between now and literally the end of the show. uh, We'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth once again, uh, looking ahead to the game against Lincoln. On uh, Saturday, a club obviously he knows well.
2: Indeed, yes. Not the first game of the season at home. No, that joke will make sense later on <laughs> in, in the program.
1: <laughs> yes, it's an interesting reference, uh, <laughs> but we'll explain it later as well. Uh, also, we'll hear from former forward Andy Baird next here at Wickham Sound. Online, on radio player, and on one hundred six point six FM.
2: This is Wickham Sound. <laughs> being in Louisiana still to come on uh, the Wicked Wanderers show we will be hearing from Gareth Ainsworth ahead of uh, this weekend's trip to Lincoln City uh, we'll be reflecting on Wicked Wanderers ladies uh, sorry Wicked Wanderers women as they come towards the end of their season
1: I hope at the end of the season we do a Bob's Best Bits compilation
2: ok yes well and it'll just be me saying Wicked Wanderers ladies like like over and over again and no just no
1: whoops sorry the really quirky bits oh, ok the quirky bits like the news
2: references and the, the, the quirky bits of Bob <laughs> that don't make any sense if you're listening on the podcast no, sorry <laughs> people listening on the podcast or dog lead references that perhaps people missed earlier shows and... yeah we have to drive the audience to the to the like the actual programme so that it reflects in their audience figures actually that's not really true this is can't... the actual programme <laughs> well that's what I mean <laughs> so I'm also aiming it at the people who then normally listen to the podcast making and think we must listen on, on actual FM <laughs> great work <laughs>
1: Uh, it's the second part of the Wicked Wanderers show. If you're a regular listener at this time, thanks. thanks. Yes, thank you.
2: <laughs> thank you for sticking with us this
1: long. <laughs> this is our second season, you know. It makes you sound American, doesn't it? We it say does, it? yeah.
2: Season, season two. two
1: of the Wicked Wanderers show. <laughs> After the fa- we, it won't be like Fast and Furious. We'll be like Wicked Show 14 or something no, like no, that. No. Oh, I hope so, actually. Maybe. Anyway... <laughs> Depends on our contract negotiations. Not that we have any.
2: <laughs> well, you know, we'll, let's take Chris Reno's advice. You know, it doesn't matter what age exactly, you yeah. can keep going forever, was <laughs> basically what he was saying.
1: Which links quite nicely, sort of, uh, to uh, our regular chats with uh, former uh, Wickham Wanderers stars, uh, thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex Players Association. This week, thank you. We catch <laughs> up with former forward Andy Baird, who started as a trainee. I came in
5: uh YTS scheme uh, came in a little bit later. I think they'd, they'd already sort of signed their allocation and they found me a little bit later, so I came in partially part of the way through. It was brilliant when I first came. Football-wise, it was just a huge, massive leap and a step for me and I, I loved every second of it. But uh, dynamic-wise, in regards to a change room, it was quite different for me because obviously the, the YTSs back then were, you know, you had a little bit more hands-on, you were cleaning the boots, maybe cleaning toilets or the stands or or whatever but and I'd come from three years previously playing men's football so I'd I'd already come from a men's change room so the dynamics I found a little bit bizarre if I'm honest it felt almost like a little bit sort of step back in that in that sense but football wise it was just brilliant I mean I loved the training and, and training every day that was the first sort of time I got to experience that and it was just fantastic in that respect.
1: I guess from a fan's point of view, that's really interesting as well because you don't get to fully appreciate what kind of being a trainee involves. No,
5: well, i say it was... Actually, I'd been in an immense changing room for three years. I knew when someone was trying to wind me up. I knew when someone was calling me out. And it was almost like you you weren't expected to (laughs) respond or or pander to pros or or other staff members or other senior people around the place. But uh, yeah, I found myself having to maybe bite my tongue and, and do things that maybe hadn't come naturally because of the three years I'd had previously to that, really.
1: So what were your initial impressions of of, the, of being at the club and, and being amongst the, the, the other players? When I came
5: in as the YT side, oh, so I absolutely loved it. Um, it was brilliant. We had, I'm sure everyone says it about the, the youth teams that they're in, we had a phenomenal bunch of lads. Um, obviously, a lot of them I came through with at the same time, like uh, Maurice Harkin, Alan Beaton, Gary Ray. Uh, gay you sorry, not Gay right you won't thank me for that. Um, <laughs> and there wasn't anyone, I, I, I don't. I can't remember not getting on with anyone. They might tell you something different, but like I said, great group of lads. And then obviously, because I'd had the two years at YT, I knew a lot of the pros anyway. I played a lot of them with them in the reserves. So yeah, it, it, it was a nice, even though I turned pro, I, I suppose you didn't, feel like you'd turn pro till six or seven or eight months down the line till you kind of got your your feet under the table. But I loved I loved being in and around the older lads, the more established players, because where I'd come from, I'd say playing with in men's football, I'd always been maybe a little bit more comfortable to being in that sort of environment rather than being with my peers in my own age group, really.
1: And are there any games that particularly stand out during your, your early earlier period at the club?
5: YT-wise, I think it was probably the season the first season we played in the FA Youth Cup, it was just, there was a different level of intensity to the game, the build-up to the game. Everything to do with the game had a different feel to it and a different course. Whereas up until then, you know, we were playing in the leagues and we were playing in like the the Southern Counties Cup or or whatever. And it, it was all about, you know, progression, improving, trying new things, trying to implement ways. But, um, Probably the FA Youth Cup was the first time it was like, right, well, this is a real proper game that we really need to go out and assert ourselves and really do everything we can to win. I think that was the first time I noticed the difference between being a YTS and training to play and being someone who, what you needed to start bearing in mind and taking on with you and learning to actually be a professional, to actually compete and actually win games.
1: And I guess as well, around the time you were at the club, there were some, some big names and big characters, people like Steve Brown and Jamie Bates, obviously, in, in the heart of the fence, people like Michael Simpson and, and Danny Bourne and Keith Ryan, of course, as well. It must have been great sort of playing alongside those types of people.
5: Phenomenal. I mean, Rhino, I spent a lot of time in and around with him because obviously when I first came to the club, he he was injured. So he was always in and around when the Whiteys were in, cleaning and everything. And just a, a phenomenal guy to be around, I think, even with nothing to do with football, such a genuine nice well meaning guy in and in the a sort of person you know you feed off being around him he's a, he's a, an enthusiastic person and it infects other people brownie, yeah character love him, I know some people could take him the wrong way because he's a very strong character, but um I personally liked him and you know I associated him with players I played with in the past, so i he was very much my cup of tea Batesy was just hilarious, absolutely hilarious that's the only word I think I can use to describe him but Simo phenomenal player brilliant on the ball, just brilliant absolutely fantastic and a good lad as well I spent a lot of time with him we we lived very close to each other and used to travel in so got great memories of him but I mean I could go through pretty much everyone again almost like I said with the youth team I don't think there was anybody that I can remember that I didn't get on with and that, wasn't a good person in one way or another. I know you, you gravitate to certain groups, especially in sort of maybe age groups or groups you travel in with or whatever, but um, there wasn't anyone I could say in my time there who I I disliked or didn't get on
1: with. It's really interesting speaking to ex-players from different eras, and, and you get the impression that obviously you know their time was really special, and the the sort of camaraderie they had in the dressing room was really special, and what they went through because it all seems quite cyclical, doesn't it? There seems to be so every every sort of decade there's either a promotion or a cup run, and and there's so many sort of as you say characters and, and great players in in different teams that seem to work so well. Yeah, you get
5: those sort of cycles, don't you? And I think um, I came in at sort of the maybe middle to end of a cycle which had um, you know the likes of Dave Carroll jason cousins scotty sort of there and abouts and then back and then away and what have you and rhino you know real stalwarts that had been at the club and had come up through it and you know went up to the almost near the top of the division and went to the fa cup semi-final and, and i think in football you just get that that certain blend don't you over time you know you have a few years where you're not quite at it or whatever and the progression then starts to happen and you know, I came in at a time I think when, uh, yeah, the, the club had been struggling a little bit in regards to, to to league form. But I think they had that that backbone and that nucleus that had just been entrenched in the team really for a long time. And I was very fortunate that, in some ways, you were accepted into it. But then you had all these other great players coming in as well and taking it in a different direction on top of it. It was it was just always a constant mix and. I like being in and around that. The constant change, the constant progression.
1: I mean, it'd be rude not to talk to you about the, the FA Cup run. And I guess obviously, fantastic to be playing in in the, the Grimsby and, and Wolves games. It was almost twenty-one years. It's almost to the week. The, the, the Wolves game. Obviously, everyone remembers the, the snow and yeah. the people coming in to help out, clear the snow, and Andy Rammel's goal celebration. And, and obviously, as, as we say, you played in the Grimsby and Wolves uh, games. Were, were they sort of ties early on in in the run where you thought oh, something special could be happening here?
4: Um.
5: Well, I think that at the start of that season, we'd had a good start, and then we sort of had a little bit of a uh, not faltered, but we we didn't keep up the sort of momentum. And I think it was a it was a bit of a bitty season. We there was flashes that we could we could do something, but you, you're never quite sure. And, and until you get that sort of continuity, I don't think we'd had a settled team at all. We'd had you know various injuries, you know, through every position. At, at some points, so we didn't have a settled team as such. But um, I think the game that sort of just stood out in that I mean I only, I only played the two but it was when we went to Grimsby away I mean it was probably would have been softer playing on a car park I mean the pitch was <laughs> frozen the ball was frozen and um, then I hadn't really played with uh, Andy Rammel much up until then Like I say it, we kind of kept missing each other either through injury or whatever we hadn't really had a consistent amount of games together but we that game was probably the first game I thought I found that I started to read his game and I started to play off of him a little bit better and we started to work as a pair rather than two people just working hard to try and make something happen. It actually started to feel as though we had a little bit of a sort of partnership.
1: And I guess you did the Wimbledon game because obviously that, that felt really special with all the drama around that and Martin Taylor's penalties, of course, and heroics. And I guess then it kind of felt like, oh, we, we could actually do something here. Definitely.
5: Definitely. I think... Um, the second part of the game, I don't, I don't remember seeing much about because I got stretched off. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there, there was definitely a feel about the place after that, and going into the Leicester game. The, you know, sometimes when when you go into cup games, you think, oh, it's going to be a good occasion. We're going to give a real good account of ourselves, and we'll just see what happens. But no, I think there was there was some sort of maybe little little underlying feeling. You don't acknowledge it too much, or you don't you know, expand on it because you don't want to, because you want to stay focused on what you're doing. But, but I say, even though I wasn't involved in the squad, you could, you could feel around the place. There was, there was a buzz. And maybe because of all the adversity we'd gone through with injuries and player availability and everything else, there was just maybe a little bit more of an attitude. Well, sod it, we're, we're really going to go for this because well, what else do we have to lose? You know, we're, we're down to the bare bones player wise. We're putting out adverts for players and, so on and so forth, but there was a, a quiet assured confidence about the team.
1: I was going to say, I think mentioned-
5: that showed in their, in their performances it, all the way through the Leicester game and and even in the semi final against Liverpool. Yes, we might not have bettered them as such, but I don't think we massively got outdone by them. You know, it's was, it was probably moments of individual skills or one or two quick moments that the undid us in both those games. But we were never outplayed or chasing our tail or anything like that.
1: You mentioned the uh, the appeal for players that's that's gone down in folklore via via CFAX, which for, for you younger listeners might not even know what that is. But it, it must have been strange at the time to be involved. Now, in but how, obviously having uh, Roy come in, and obviously the heroics in the, in the Leicester game as well.
5: Bizarre, just purely bizarre. I mean, obviously I, I was quite a, had a little bit of a different view to the other lads because I was sort of sat in the treatment room or on the sideline or, or wherever. So. Just watching the dynamic, the the setup, the not thrown together, but literally it was a case of well, this is what we've got. We've got to kind of move with it. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what it must have felt like to the lads who just see, the, you know, literally. I think Clarkie walked in uh, from Bury and then you had Roy flew in from I can't remember where at the time, and just sort <laughs> of strolled onto the pitch and was playing. You know, it's just <laughs> just the. I say it was it was very bizarre to watch. So I, I don't know what was right for the rest of the lads on the training ground and on the pitch and in the changing room.
1: <laughs> but as you say, fantastic to be a part of. But you mentioned obviously being stretched off and injury played played such a part, unfortunately, in, in your sort of career. And uh, I believe you were nicknamed Crash Test Dummy, which <laughs> which obviously you can laugh at now. But yeah, it, it must be quite frustrating in a way, and, and must you know you need loads of mental strength to sort of get through.
5: Yeah. Um, well, I think at the time, obviously, I came into the game and I had. A a couple of little injuries and uh, I signed pro a little bit later than some of the other lads. Um, so I was always thinking, not I wanted to play catch-up, but I was always like, you know, I want to go out, I want to win each game, I want to win each tackle, I want to win each header, want to, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When maybe at the time I, I needed to have um, <laughs> a little bit of a, an older head on my shoulders, shall should we say. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't regret any of the ways I played I think that's what made me the player that I was yeah I, 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 I can't argue with it. I only had myself to blame for the way I played in that respect um but I think the the injury itself well, it's just one of those freak things it wasn't I, I had much worse much more severe tackles and got up and shook them off sort of thing but uh it's uh, <laughs> just one of those I'm afraid
1: and you mentioned the partnership with Andy Rammel. There's so many sort of great strikers around and forwards about that time. I think you when you made your debut, you came on for Mark Stallard, didn't you? And there was obviously Jermaine McSparren and Sean Devine at the club as well. That must be really yeah. exciting for you.
5: Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, um, as as a YTS, um, Stal came in. I think John Gregory brought him in, and you could see. Like I say he wasn't super quick. He wasn't brilliant in the air, but his his movement and his finishing was just Brilliant, and a, a player I always looked up to. I always tried to watch when he played, um, and unfortunately, I never. I only played sort of a handful of sporadic sort of games with him because, uh, like I said, I just sort of turned prone. What have you? I think he had a bit of an injury, and then uh, Sanchez came in and he played a couple of games, and then he left. So he was definitely a player I would have liked to have played more with. Because as a YTS, he was probably one of the
1: forwards that I'd watch play the most. And what was it like playing under uh, the likes of Laurie Sanchez? Obviously, John Gregory, are you there as well?
5: Two very, very different approaches. I mean, Greg's, I think, as a a football-minded person, was brilliant. You know, the way he... His professionalism, his attitude to the way people should train, his attitude to how he wanted people to be, how he wanted them to behave, what he expected from them... I wouldn't say it was regimented, but it was all laid out. It was very meticulous, you know, whereas Sanchez was very much, you you could see obviously that the the Wimbledon side, the influence on him, it was very much about coming in, doing your jobs, concentrating on certain areas, doing things. And then you'd have Gibbo, who then his assistant would be into you and, you know, he'd give you more of the, the information or maybe the stuff exactly you needed to be doing and what had you. It was lovely. And then obviously Neil Smiley took over for a while. As well, and I knew his style well from playing under him in the youth team. And he had a an idea of you know a very expansive. He was a winger himself, so he like he liked to attack teams. He liked to get at teams, get behind teams, get balls into the box. He used to be a very positive. So yeah, I mean, it's I'm very fortunate. I say in a small space of time, I was there to get to experience quite a few different managers, and then I got obviously when I was in the YTS as well. it's sort of a little bit of the way Alan Smith and uh, Dave Kemp did things as well. So it was it, it was brilliant. Like I say, when when you have an interest in a sport like that, it's the more you can experience, the the more you can witness the better really.
1: That must be great as a young player as well. To, like you say, to have worked with Neil and then and um, to be sort of playing under him when he was manager. We had um, Jim Melvin on last week and he was chatting about, how, you know, how great Neil was to, to work with and, and, and fantastic, as you say, for you to kind of have that transition.
5: Yeah. I mean, as, as a coach, YT wise, it, it was phenomenal. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic coach. I loved, I can't remember any sessions that I didn't like. And um, when he obviously went to manager, the the dynamics changed, and it probably took me a little while to process that and, and to sort of gauge how things were. Um, but yeah, I think it's just just unfortunate he didn't have a little bit more time because I knew his style, and I knew how he wanted to play, and uh, I very much fitted. It would have fitted into that that style. Um, but yeah, it was it was. It was a brilliant thing for me to have going up through the transitions that he obviously transitioned up as well, but on the actual turnover bit when it actually happened there was it probably took me a little bit more time to process that he's gone from being my youth team coach to the first team coach, so obviously therefore my behavior needs to be a little bit more different in regards to that but uh, it's, it's it's all a learning curve
1: <laughs> no absolutely yeah it's really interesting and overall, how do you sort of look back at your time at the club you
5: know something um <laughs> It, not to sound in a negative way but I always quite struggled in regards to I loved playing football I loved being in and around the changing room and I loved playing and everything I, I've, I've always loved sport but um, I found it really hard I was very lethargic very tired uh, very drained could be a little bit ratty and all at times and when they Sanchez pulled me in and said actually we're going to a release you're not renewing your contract it, it was very bizarre because I felt quite a sort of level of relief because in my head I couldn't work out what was going on and I thought maybe, maybe football just isn't mentally the right sort of environment for me for, for me to be you know positive and progress and um, I came out of the pro game I played semi-pro for a couple of years but I had the same sort of problems um after a little while I was obviously able to get because we stepped down and level, I was able to get away with it, should we say, a little bit more. And I retired when I think I was 28, 29, because I just got to the stage where I just, I I couldn't do anything. I was just knackered all the time. And uh, a couple of years after retiring, I was still having the same symptoms. I went away on holiday, um, became very ill, came back home, um, started testing things, and then was diagnosed I was actually a celiac. So, um, which... I was annoyed about in one respect because if I'd have known something about it, I could have done something. But at the same time, it was it was quite nice to actually attribute that to some of the issues I'd been having and on an ongoing basis. Because I wouldn't say I had unresolved issues with football until then, but I'd always it didn't sit comfortably with me that my um, evaluation that maybe just mentally wasn't the right environment for me was was kind of. Wasn't enough for me. It didn't explain enough for me. But having the diagnosis of celiac and then going back through with all the, the health professionals tracing everything back through, it, it just made complete and utter sense, <laughs> which was bizarre.
1: Because do you think it ties in? I think there's a lot of uh, fans, especially who don't really appreciate. It. There must be a lot of pressure on, on being a forward and a striker, and you know, to get goals and to be firing all the time.
5: Um, yeah. Well, I mean. Again, it was was a bizarre thing that I played men's football before I sort of came into uh, the professional scene that I'd never been a forward. I'd I'd always just been played as a forward because I was playing, or played out wide because I was playing men's football from sort of 13, 14 onwards, and I was just very small. So physically, I couldn't compete in certain areas. So I was kind of put in areas either up the field with, you know, a big sort of meathead up front, or I was put sort of out wide. So it wasn't, being playing forward wasn't, a natural position as such for me. I was always more a defensive minded player within my own age group, but where I grew, lived and grew up, there just wasn't you know, a, enough of a league or anything for me to, to develop or play in my own age group, really. Um, but in regards to playing the pressure and, you know, I spoke about myself mentally, not being in the right place or not thinking I was in the right place. Th- there is pressure. And of course there's pressure because you want to win, you want to do well for your team and you want to do well for the fans. I never felt it as pressure when I played up front. I always wanted to and uh, to score goals and I always wanted to assist other people in scoring goals. And um, I say say, I felt uncomfortable playing up front, I just felt a little, a little ungainly. It wasn't, didn't quite, quite fit with me, but I understood I had certain attributes that made myself a handful up front. And I, I always used them the best that I could. And I think playing with, you know, someone like uh, Sean Devine is probably how most, people probably best remember me in a partnership was I knew where Sean was going to be. I knew, I knew he had one thing in mind. He was all about scoring. You know, he, he put the ball in from the most ridiculous angle or he'd shoot from the most ridiculous angle, but you wouldn't mind, you wouldn't moan at him because probably eight times out of 10, somehow he, he'd toe punt it from the corner flag or something. So I saw my job playing with someone like him was, right, I need to get him the ball in as many dangerous areas as I possibly can. And if I can weigh in with a few goals as well, brilliant. But uh, I never saw it as pure pressure to score goals. But I think maybe that's because I wasn't a sort of natural forward as such. But it was, I saw my job is to hold the ball up, get the, the rest of the team up the field, run the channels, get balls in the box, make a nuisance of myself, you know, twist and turn defenders, get out people, commit people. And like I say, make as many opportunities for the players who are going to stick the ball in the back of that as possible, really.
1: And what do we find you doing these days? <laughs>
5: <laughs> Nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, no, I'm, I'm
5: involved in a small sourcing agency. We uh, import a lot of stuff from uh, Eastern Europe for the sort of building and furniture trade, sort of uh, wooden plastic component parts. And the other side of this I have is I have a company that does a performance and conditioning called warriorperformance.co.uk. But um, I just do um, performance and conditioning for multi-directional sport team athletes. So ice hockey, netball, basketball, rugby, uh, football, any team players that play in a team environment. And we work on improving them just, you know, Strip them down biomechanically. Work on their muscle memory, mindfulness memory, and syncing. Just a lot of calisthenics dynamics, biometrics. You know, short, high intensity stuff with proprioception and heavily focusing on deceleration.
1: What well, does sound very good. You oh, say very different as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been brilliant to meet to you. Thank you so much, for your time.
5: I'd just like to take this opportunity to say thank you to the fans for my time when I was at the club. They were the one resounding positive, no matter what was going on, whether I was in the treatment room, whether I was playing terribly on the pitch or playing well, they were absolutely superb to me. And that's the the one resounding positive memory I will take with me as the fans. So thank you very much for that. Any of them that are old enough to remember me, that is
2: fantastic interview um with Andy Baird really really interesting to hear about the the celiac diagnosis as well which you just feel really feel for him didn't actually come any sooner many many thanks to the X players association uh for arranging all of uh the X player interviews that you hear here on uh, the Wickham Wanderer show on uh, Wickham Sound um some sad news as well coming in from the X players association uh, this week um the death of former 50s goalkeeper Johnny Walters um although he was quite small um for the goalkeeping position. He did actually play regularly uh, for the reserves at Lokes Park. Uh, later became a successful local businessman. And I really like this. And this happens so often, doesn't it, with regards to players um, who've being part um, of the light and dark blue quarters and then keep their association with the club going because he sponsored the Wanderers Youth Team for several seasons and was also a key member of the X-Players Association, generously sponsoring our very first annual dinner back in 2007. Our uh, thoughts go out to his family.
1: Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Still to come in the final part of the Wickham Wanderers Show, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth.
2: Can you stop playing that mouth organ? Uh, <laughs> Wickham Wanderers women have their final... Yes, honestly, we, we were slightly surprised, but their final home game of the season uh, this weekend. Uh, they face Ascot United um, at the uh, Flackwell Heath campus of the Bucks College Group. Kickoff is at 2 o'clock. Then after that, uh, they play Winchester City Flyers. Uh, they've got a game against AFC Stoneham. Um, and not very much more that I can see at the moment on the uh, FA website that gives all of the Wickham Wanderers women information. Um, And we also have a game as well on Tuesday night uh, when Wickham will be playing Long Crendon. Uh, This is the the men, incidentally, uh, in the Bucks and Bucks uh, Cup semi-final. It's being played at Tame United's ground, uh, which is the ASM Stadium. Not quite sure what ASM stands for. It's probably a a company that sponsors it. Assistant studio manager? (laughs) (laughs) alien space monsters I'm not quite sure Um, anyway um, uh, you can you can find details uh, with regards to the ticket details Uh, that's what I'm I'm trying to say Um, simply um, uh, by going onto the Long Crendon website and you then get directed along to uh, another ticketing website uh, where it then says buy tickets stroke join the guest list which is slightly weird it feels like you're going to a nightclub or something <laughs> uh, but anyway that is on tuesday um at seven forty-five, uh, and tickets are eight pounds for adults and then various concessions
1: something else which was also announced this week was the uh, january player of the month award oh yes if you voted here's a message from the winner Ooh. hi everyone at wickham sound it's jack Glimmer here i just wanted to send a little message to thank everyone that voted for me for player of the month it was uh a very great month for me personally um, and I'm very thankful for everyone that took time to vote for me. Uh, it is very much appreciated. Here's hoping we have a strong February and go on to have a strong finish to this season. Take great. care, everyone. Great to hear from uh, Jack, Aww. friend of the show. That uh, was Jack... nice, wasn't it? Yeah, very good. Uh, earlier on today, I caught up with uh, manager Gareth Ainsworth to uh, to find out uh, what the team did on, and him uh, on their day off on Saturday. Uh, no, it's
3: actually, Yeah, it was a day off, so we got him in Sunday Monday. Um what Saturday was uh, was a day off for everybody, but obviously watching football and uh, and an eye on obviously the results of the League is getting out of you know, We've always done the season to go. We're you know, we're we're in um, amongst the top top and uh, we've were obviously all texting each other around I think about four thirty, all the results were going the right way and then four forty five there's a couple of late goals that uh that made it the picture change a bit so yeah we uh we just uh, like the fans probably watching all the results coming in but um also working hard on uh, improving some of these development players which we, we're definitely seeing the benefits of you know um and yeah we got them in sunday monday, and monday we tried to make it as normal a week as possible sort of a thursday friday sort of scenario for, for shrewsbury and i was pleased with the performance against shrewsbury so yeah good weekend off but um back to the grindstone now, and it's. Uh, it's quite a big schedule now from now to the end of the season.
1: It's strange isn't it many teams around the top apart from Rotherham obviously seem to be struggling to put a sort of consistent run together And it, it, to it seems to be sort of the time of year I suppose for, for teams who seem to be a bit inconsistent.
3: Yeah and it's January window as well and a lot of teams have strengthened and I think teams are getting used to each other again and playing different ways and playing different systems and playing different personnel so I think in January especially towards the end of January start of February you always get some crazy results because teams have strengthened teams have lost players so it's a definite change. There's a definite dynamic change when you get past January and and that was definitely apparent in the last, you know, in the last few games apart from Rotherham who seem to be very strong and very consistent and fair play to them. You know, they're they're this yo-yo side that obviously can spend quite a bit being up and down, up and down with with the rewards of that. But, um, but also they are a solid outfit with the manager who's been in charge quite a long time now who know what they 're doing, so fair play to them but um all up for grabs elsewhere and uh, and we are you know it's still three points off second place which is uh, which is a fantastic position to be starting right now,
1: and as you're saying last you've got quite, quite a sense of pride in you know the teams which you're sharing company with in that, that top six of the table
3: yeah, of course you know, and you know i can 't dismiss m k dons or or um, maybe Oxford because both of those teams haven't been in the Premier League, but um, they're definitely big clubs. And, and, you know, with ourselves, we're, we're, we're sitting amongst a, a group of teams that have all been in the Premier League, by Rotherham, but they've been championship many times. And, and it's it's great company to be in, Ipswich. And, and, and even Bolton are coming now, Sheffield Wednesday, huge team, you know, Sunderland, Portsmouth, but like they, they could be putting something together. And, you know, Wigan, it's, it's going to be a, a real. Challenge now from now to the end of the season to stay amongst these boys, but um, I believe that we've got enough to do that and some. You know, I, I really hope that we can aim for one of these top promotion places. That's what we still want to aim for. You know, in years gone by, we've we've um, dampened our aspirations really just for expectation levels more than anything, and to take the pressure off the boys. But you know, we're 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 a good side, and I'm really I'm really proud to say that you know, wick and wanderers now I'm competing at the top end of the One. as I've said many times this year, is it it's phenomenal, you know, let's let's all remember where we were and, and that's the humility that is a key value for me. Please don't be getting carried away thinking we should be winning these, we should be getting promoted, we should be doing this, let's let's get what we deserve. But how good is it to be challenging around this this group, you know, because little than three years ago we were going to South End Needing to win to stay in League One, and and that was a fantastic achievement. Never mind, you know, fighting for the for the championship week in week out.
1: Overall, how do you reflect on Tuesday's game? There are a lot of shots, which put a very positive thing, obviously, but I guess a source of frustration as well.
3: Yeah, as a manager, I've just got to look through the uh, look through the performance. Uh, sorry, the, the results and and see the performance more than anything. You know, that's and that's key. And as a manager. You have to rise above everything else. Um, And and I was really, really pleased. If we continue 26 shots a game and 10 shots on target, then I am going to be banking on us finishing in that top two top three definitely You know, because that is good enough to win any game and uh, it was just one of those games where Pennington clears one off the line unbelievably you do that nine times out of ten you put it in your own goal Brandon Hanlon hits the inside of the post rather than rather than it going in off that Chris Perino the keeper's already diving when it hits him on the hip and goes goal and lands in the keeper's arms these things are just a bit of luck against us there so but what I want to focus on is Four touches in our box in 90 minutes. That's all whole we had. And two of those were tackles. It, it, I mean, it's just phenomenal how the boys took on what I tried to put in place last week about the defending and the locking out and how secure we needed to be, especially after the MK Dons and, and Morecambe games. I was I was quite concerned about being open at times. and uh, And we worked really hard on those days. So when everybody's looking at the chances creating and oh wow we should have scored and we should have done this I'm quietly absolutely buzzing with the defensive display on Tuesday night and uh, if we can take that forward you know the fantastic Arsenal team of the 90s built everything on being solid and, and if you're not solid you're going to come a cropper you know in, in games and I uh, thought the back three the back five the back six that David Stockdale were just awesome really really proud of them and uh for me that was a that was a, a giant step forward.
1: And really nice to see Lewis Wing making his debut as well.
3: Lewis is uh he's come in and I thought first half he got really amongst it. He's gonna get used to the way, you know, we play. We're we're very high energy pressing side and when we, you know, we work a lot of second balls and then settling the ball down once we can win that second ball and he's probably used to getting playing total football out from the back. Um which can be risky, but also can can uh, can get you involved a lot more. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's all um, it's all a learning curve for everybody, you know. And uh, like I say, I'm, I'm I'm really proud to say that we uh, we're right up amongst it. Um, I think Rosemary and ourselves are probably seeing a style of football, and there, and there's one or two others around us. Yeah, it's just really interesting, it's, it's, and that's why we love the game so much, you know. It's uh, it's brilliant, but you know, Sandbox being back, just going almost making the squad. Um, I think he'll probably be around it on Saturday, which would be fabulous. Um it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a real good push, Dominic Gape as well. Actually very, very close now to coming back. And Nick Freeman's out on the pitches, so you know could we be getting a full squad at, at just at the right time? I'm really hoping so though. You know, your next injury can always be just around the corner, but I've got to praise the medical staff again this season. I've had very few muscle injuries or pulls and there. And we seem to have it really spot on with that, and, uh, and yeah, can't be uh, can't be doing my job without the team around me.
1: And obviously, Lincoln next a team that, that we haven't seen for a while—they were the first uh, team to visit Adams Park in the, the opening League One game of the season, a one-nil victory that day, of course. But I guess they're they're a team as well who've sort of struggled for form, but can be quite dangerous as well, getting wins against the likes of Sunderland and Oxford recently.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think they were. I think Accrington was our first game, but Lincoln came shortly after that. But uh, it was uh, it was it was a game that we we were really we started the season really well like, you know like you say Accrington and, and then going to Cheltenham and, and, uh, and coming to town not, not not far after that and it was a real really? you know, we had the momentum from pre-season we had this this way about us early in the season uh, and and you know you, you had everyone fresh everyone was playing yeah. I think Nick Freeman was the game we got injured and you know he was on a fantastic game that day so it's a game again game we want to we don't want to give anyone an easy game against us. We want to we go there and press them and, and, and do what we do well and make teams change for us, you know, and that's, that's important because teams are doing that now, whereas in the past we've had to change for them. They're changing for us and that's huge respect for us and uh, and the boys and what they've done so far this year.
1: And just finally, we've not spoken to you since you must be so proud and pleased with the reaction that Matt Bloomfield's had to, to his news, uh, being at the club for 23 Watford managers.
3: <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it, yeah. He's... Uh, He's definitely uh i think Matt uh for being at one club for so long as i think he's was he had about five or six managers at wicked wonders and uh, and me for probably more than half his time here, which I'm really proud to say has uh, has been brilliant to have you know like i've said in, in the press numerous times I roommate my captain and now my one of my right hand men um he's 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 absolutely key to this club and uh Wickham yeah, Wanderers can't lose people like Matt Bloomfield is uh he's key to going forward with uh, with Wickham Wanderers and keeps that, you know consistency and, and continuation of uh of what we're proud of. We can never lose that. Um and at the end of the day, win, lose, or draw, you're a Wickham fan because of the people, because of the community, because of what it means to you, this club. It's not all about the trophies, it's not all about the winning. It's those moments, um, when you strip it all back. That's a phenomenal story and uh I wouldn't be the manager I was without Matt Bloomfield and uh, and I'm hoping he could uh, he could say I've, I've given him a few things as a player too but um no, he's, he's a top top guy and, and uh what a great career he's had
2: that shows what happens when you don't scroll down in a fixture list enough. <laughs> it does indeed. And also, I feel that you've possibly been putting some sound effects in, uh, as well as playing the mouth organ a lot during this show. Uh, we've def- we, we definitely had a dog during the, the Andy Baird interview. Possibly uh, a bird I think as well. we had a dog just then, in Gareth, right, right at the end. Um, and yeah, possibly a bird or maybe a dog squeaky toy, I'm not sure.
1: Uh, join us next <laughs> week for more and Wanderer stuff and other
5: things as well.